Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, it's the mother of all episodes. A special guest, Jane Marie, joins Tian Tran and Grace Para in studio to discuss moms, what they've gone through to bring us into the world, and what they've taught us. Then, the ever-electable Alyssa Mastermonico also joins to discuss this week's news, from new maternal mortality legislation to what's happening in Georgia. And finally, a very special Hysteria Moms edition of The Hills Will Die On. Hey, listeners, before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping today. I guess my housekeeping list keeps getting longer. Uh, Today's housekeeping, if you want to submit a hill you'll die on, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. That's also the email address where we receive all of our emails. So if you want to get in touch for any reason, you can reach out that way. But again, I'm not the only one who checks it. Caroline also checks it. So love notes and hate mail should go to our personal email accounts or just throw them directly into the trash. Second, merch is in the works, and I'm biased, but it is really great, and I can't wait for you guys to see it. Next, I'm trying a new thing where I give a shout-out to a special group of listeners. Uh, I'm actually giving a commencement address on Saturday in Maryland, which I'm very nervous about and excited about, but it made me think about how many people are about to graduate this week and in the next couple weeks, and so I want to give a shout-out to all of our listeners who are graduating or about to graduate or finishing a phase in their education. Thank you for listening. Finally, one announcement. Alyssa Mastromonaco, America's soulmate, is participating in a spelling bee fundraiser to benefit headcount.org, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan voter registration group whose funds go to get out the vote, issue education, registering voters, enabling direct participation in democracy, staging specific advocacy campaigns, and promoting sustainable living. We're going to put a link to Alyssa's fundraiser for headcount.org in the show notes this week. So if you want to support Alyssa, that's headcount.org. And uh, let's get to the show. Hello. Alyssa. Hello, Erin. You're sounding mighty electable this morning. You know what? I'm feeling electable. I took a shower. I washed my hair. You washed your hair? I know. It's been a week. (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. 
You know what? I, know. I I went a week without washing my hair one time when I was like on a hike and I could smell my own hair as I was just going about my day and it was not a pleasant experience. So you must not have the dry locks that I have, which can go a solid five days without a wash. Wow. Congratulations on that. Also, um, Alyssa, did you see that Harry and Meghan released the name of their baby son, their tiny I'm baby sorry. prince? Do you mean Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor, the best royal baby name of all time? I, you know, it is a pretty good royal baby name because like I, I tweeted, it's the kind of name you give your kid when you're like, he's never going to have to get a job, you know? Never going to have to have a job, but doesn't worry about having to make friends. Exactly. People are always going to want to be that kid's friend. That is a, that's a flex. Give, naming your kid Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. Windsor. I know. I mean, you know, I was hoping for a girl that would be named Diana, but this is a good second. That's fine because that saves Diana for a theoretical future baby for me in, in, in my imagination. <laughs> you know what? That is so true. And I am here for it as long as I am the God mommy. <laughs> oh, of course. Like, is there, obviously, is there any question? Um, well, when I when I said that you sounded electable, I um, said that you sounded electable because I wanted to talk about electability and yeah. um, the w- the ways that that's been used as a point of discussion in 2020. Um, basically, Alyssa, you pointed this out to me um, that the women who are running for president are actually more electable than the men who are running for president because they have a more winning record. They've been elected and won. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kamala Harris has uh, defeated, she defeated a two-term incumbent when she was a San Francisco DA. Elizabeth Warren was, uh, she defeated Scott Brown in 2012. She also won in 2018. Amy Klobuchar is, uh, she cleans up in the state of Minnesota. She won her second term with 65% of the vote in 2012 and 60.3% of the vote in 2018. And her approval rating is high in Minnesota. Kirsten Gillibrand runs in a, she ran in a really red district when she first won. Is that correct? That is correct because she was actually my congressperson. Oh, uh, That is where I grew up. That is my home district. New York 29. It was New York, New York 19 and now it's New York 20 because there was redistricting, oh, okay. something like that. Okay. And um, no, and people were so stoked on her, but yeah, it was not like a foregone conclusion that she even had a chance. Mm-hmm. And she'll say that the only person who thought she was going to win was her mother, but she won and has won over and over again in the great state of New York. Yeah. I mean, and that's impressive on its face. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who uh, we sometimes leave out of these conversations, but is definitely in the running. She first ran for office in 2002 for a seat in the Hawaii House of Representatives, and she won that with 64% of the vote. She won election in 2010 to serve on the Honolulu City Council. She also ran for Congress in 2012, winning with 80% of the vote. She's a popular lady in her state of Hawaii. I mean, aloha and mahalo. Uh And she's also very young. When She did all these things when she was very young, not AOC young, but pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. um, All of them, all of them are winners. Yeah. And so it's strange to me that we continually talk about them not being electable because people like Beto O'Rourke, I mean, as compelling as he is, has lost elections, very famously lost an election recently. Um, Bernie Sanders lost the Democratic primary. Joe Biden, um, unsuccessfully ran for president in 1988 and 2008. And yes, Alyssa, here's something I was thinking about this week. Do you remember the whole Joe Biden scandal in 1988? Is this the plagiarism? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's I so crazy. I remember now, you know, of all things, like one, there was the plagiarism. Then you have, you know, Beto, who has been in Congress, but then lost to Ted Cruz. Now, look, he did really, really well mm -hmm. comparatively in the state of Texas. And you know that my whole theory on Beto has always been that, like, Cruz ran against Trump, which elevated Cruz's profile and won more Americans first of all, knew who he was, but second, they also knew he was basically the devil. Mm -hmm. And so then Beto got this platform, right? That mm -hmm. like the, the national media is watching him because he's taking on the devil. And the one thing that Beto has done probably more, maybe Bernie, you know, if you take like, if you take people who have done events, right? Mm -hmm. Like their rollout events, mm -hmm. he's gotten the biggest crowds. Mm -hmm. You know, next to, next to, you know, Bernie has always sort of gotten big crowds. Kamala had a really great crowd for her announcement. And so the problem is crowds are great, but they're not measures of electability mm -hmm. entirely because I have always found, which many people don't listen to me about. So please give me my moment is that crowds are about curiosity. Most of the time people are interested in what someone has to say. And so yes, people are interested because they've seen a lot about him over the past year and they want to see what he has to say. But like, I just, I don't know that, that that's like, if that's why he's electable, I'm not really sure that that is like an electability thing. Mm -hmm. I think now in the age when a lot of people gather politically in different spaces that aren't physical spaces that so people gather online uh, to, to, I guess, talk with other people who they agree with or to commiserate with people. And it's always it's not always a physical space. So, you know, you can't really tell enthusiasm from crowds. But I think you're absolutely right, Alyssa, that you can tell curiosity. And this isn't to poo-poo the men who are running for president because no. I just want to I just think that this stat is important to bring out when people talk about electability in women. And, you know, the fact of the matter is Elizabeth Warren is attracting huge crowds and she's attracting a ton of conversation online and she's surging in the polls and she's won elections. She has not lost elections. Right. But the reason it's so important for us to talk about it is because the more people talk about electability, it becomes like, you know, manifest destiny. It's like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that like, well, if people say they're not electable, then do they become not electable? Mm -hmm. So yeah. no, we're not going to stand by and let that conversation take hold. We're yeah. here to say they're highly electable. We're putting on our actually pants this morning. We're putting on our actually pants and we're actually yes. in you. They are actually electable. My actually pants are sweatpants, but they're still actually pants. Oh, actually pants could be any kind of pants at all. <laughs> as long as you say actually when you're wearing them and you're righteously upset about sexism and coverage of the 2020 race. Um, well then. Yes, that it, there, anything could be actually pants. So I want to transition. This week's show is going to be about moms and mothers and the way that we... Uh, as a country and uh, as uh, the way we as a country treat mothers and the way that mothers have impacted our lives. And so the second part of this news segment today is kind of a tough one, but it's something that we need to talk about. So we can start, I guess, on a positive note. So just this morning, we're recording this on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, Cory Booker and Massachusetts rep Ayanna Presley, our girl, Ayanna, introduced some legislation into the House and Senate to address maternal mortality. Uh, the bill is called the Maximizing Outcomes for Moms Through Medicaid Improvement and Enhancement of Services, which spells out mommies, the Mommies Act. And it's supposed to extend the time period that mothers can be covered by Medicaid after they give birth. Um, they currently cannot be covered 
up to a year and the bill would allow that to happen. Uh, current Medicaid coverage is just two months. So, Alyssa, what do you make of the new bill that Cory Booker and Ayanna Presley introduced this morning? I am very into it for the following. So all of the policies that people are coming up with, which we're going to talk about, are really great. But I personally want to see something that can start making a difference like today. And the thing that I love about one of the components of their bill is it promotes community-based doula services to help end these disparities. And so one, doulas are awesome and they help you prepare to give birth and give birth and aftercare. But also in this scenario, I think they also act as your advocate, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're saying, I have these cramps, I have this pain, my feet are swollen, you know, what does all this mean? You're not just going to the doctor, waiting in a long line for someone who's probably annoyed that you're there. I don't want to offend doctors, Mm -hmm. but the system is overtaxed, right? And so instead you have someone, you know, they're not going to send you home and be like, no, you're fine. Instead, you have this doula who can go with you, who can help advocate for you Mm -hmm. and make sure that people are hearing you and taking care of what is bothering you. And so, or, you know, what, whatever, um, sort of like medical issue you may have. So I'm like very, very for that. I think that that's a wonderful way that that this can start making an impact like right now. Mm -hmm. And another thing that the bill talks about is the huge racial disparity in maternal Mm -hmm. mortality. Um, I'm just reading some stats right now. The U.S. is one of 13 countries in the world where maternal mortality rates are worse than they were in the 90s. And we have the worst rate of maternal deaths in in the entire developed world. And we are the only country where the rate of women who die in childbirth is rising. And a lot of that is due to the fact that black women um, experience 40 deaths per 100,000 live births, which is a horrifying statistic. And 60% of pregnancy-related complications are found to be preventable. So the Mommies Act, which uh, Booker and Ayanna Presley introduced, addresses the fact that a lot of these issues with childbirth and maternal mortality are racial and that those uh, those gaps need to be remedied. So the good thing is that this is not an invisible problem now. I, I don't know how long it's been an invisible problem, but now it's been dragged into the light and people are talking about it. The presidential candidates are talking about it. Um, Alyssa, do you mm. do you have a favorite 2020 maternal mortality addressing plan? Um, so I'm going to be very honest with the people who listen to us. These are very complicated plans. Mm-hmm. You know, like as non-medical experts, I think that, you know, on the face when I read them, I I love that Kamala, like both Kamala, I don't know, both Kamala and Elizabeth have very good um, like approaches. Elizabeth's, which I don't know, this is the one that I find sort of the most complicated to understand Um, how it would be implemented Mm -hmm. is basically incentivizing hospitals. So like the more you're, to me, this seems also like a very easy, not easy, but an effective and, and immediate way to sort of start tracking these things is that she wants to incentivize hospitals whose mortality rates go down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to me, that seems like that seems awesome. It seems like people are always incentivized by money, 
right? If the hospitals want the money, then they have to start listening to people and making sure that when um, women are complaining of issues or coming in and don't know what's wrong with them, that they're listening and they are taking action. I mean, it's it's depressing, but I guess if that's the way, I do think that that, you know, money makes things happen. So I feel like that is something that could really have an impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's really interesting that it seems like the candidates' maternal mortality policies, like Cory Booker, for example, is now involved in the conversation. Um, They're sort of informing each other. I read Elizabeth Warren's op-ed for Essence when she rolled out her maternal mortality Mm -hmm. plan. Mm -hmm. And in it, she gives a shout out to both Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. Like she's very generous with the fact, it seems to me that all of the candidates genuinely want to see something done about this. And they're not really precious about the fact that it's their idea versus it's somebody else's idea. The what's important here is actually tackling this uh, healthcare shame in our country and making it better. Agree. And also, you know, it's like we were talking before, it's like, how the hell, like, how is this happening in, in America? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that the thing for us is, I mean, I did not even know the problem is as bad as it is until a couple of weeks ago when they started rolling out these plans Mm -hmm. and you're like, my God, can this actually be fucking true? And it is. And so that's why it's on all of us to make sure that people know that this is a problem and why these plans, these like very thoughtful, well-crafted plans are important for people to read and understand and see why they're important and also think about why no one's done this before. Yeah. And what you mentioned about doulas is really important. There was a really great piece in the New York Times a few months back about how important doulas are to helping Black mothers advocate for themselves in hospitals. And um, Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting and important piece as well. Uh, One of the things that is really upsetting to me is that most of these, like, like, I mentioned earlier, the CDC said most uh, pregnancy complications are totally preventable. And so Mm -hmm. the problem is that the medical establishment is not caring for mothers and babies the way that it should, which is super heartbreaking and very dark. But the upside of it is that it sounds like we're doing something about it and that we all need to keep thinking about it and keep caring about it. I wanted to give a quick shout out. Um, So for Mother's Day, I gave a donation to the Black Mamas Matter Alliance, which is a maternal health organization that's a woman-led cross-sectoral alliance. I'm just reading from their website. They center Black Mamas to advocate, drive research, build power, and shift culture for Black maternal health rights and justice. The Black Mamas Matter Alliance was founded um, in cooperation with the Center for Reproductive Rights, which is a great organization. And I trust everything that they do. And I think Black Mamas Matter Alliance is doing great work. So if you would like to uh, check them out, you totally can find them online. We'll give them a link in our show notes. Alyssa, do you have a favorite maternal health organization? I have a favorite reproductive health organization, Physicians for Reproductive Health. Um, these are trained doctors who use evidence training and organized action to champion your healthcare rights. Um, And also they make sure that, you know, in some parts of the country, these physicians are the only ones that are helping to make sure that in certain parts of states that abortion is still safe and legal. And I have been going to their fundraiser for years and I donate to them. And it's crazy because actually when you go, when usually when you go to one of their events, you RSVP and then you don't get the location until a couple days before because it's dangerous for them to gather in one place. Mm-hmm. And they are making sure that there was one doctor who helped found the organization. He's no longer there, but he was basically the abortion provider um, and healthcare provider for many women 
he was the only one for several hundred miles down south. And so they take care of ladies soup to nuts and they are very important. So the physicians for reproductive health. And uh, one more quick thing I wanted to say, um, the the state of Georgia this week, Alyssa, have you been following this news? Yes, ma'am. I know. The state of Georgia this week um, signed a or I guess the governor signed a bill that makes abortion illegal after six weeks, which is earlier mm-hmm. than when most women find that they are pregnant, which is a trash bill um, that will immediately be in like face injunction and, and not go into effect. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out to our listeners is a lot of coverage is very hair on fire, which obviously it should be. But the fact of the matter is abortion is still legal in the state of Georgia. So if you live there, do not take matters into your own hands. The law does not take effect until January 2020 if it does go into effect. So that's an important thing to remember. That is a very important thing to remember. But also that these these legislatures are doing this because not because they think that it's going to become legal in their state anytime soon. What they're trying to implement will be law anytime soon, but it's because they want these cases to be challenged so that they go to the Supreme Court because unlike Susan Collins, these people think they do know where Brett Kavanaugh stands. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it is also important to keep your eyes on everyone running from election from now until 2020 to make sure that they're on the right side of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm, Because it is more fragile now than it has ever been. So, Alyssa, uh, I guess give your mom a hug this Mother's Day. From, oh, I will. I'm seeing, her, I'm seeing her on Saturday. Oh, you are. That's great. Give her, a, give her a super tight hug. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. We have to take a break, but when we come back, more hysteria. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. I refuse to be uncomfortable if I want to be productive. I refuse (laughs) to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like Viore is perfect for it because they, the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh, yeah. You've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is. Like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— 
they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now. And I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip. And they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Napa. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa. Welcome back to More Hysteria. This is a very, very special episode. All the episodes are special, but this one is very special because we're talking about mothers, our own mothers, why people decide to be mothers, the way mothers are depicted in pop culture. And I've got a kick-ass group of women here today to talk with us about that. First up, we have actor and activist Grace Para. <laughs> kissing the, into I'm the blowing mic. Kiss. I don't know why I decided to do that. I That's think weird. audio wise, it's questionable. Yeah, but it is, right? We'll see. How like, it, how's that going to play? We'll I see. We'll see. You know, you got to try things. Got to try. <laughs> got to mix it up on Hysteria. What are you doing for Mother's Day? I am surprise, surprise, having people over and cooking. I don't know what I'm cooking yet. I was going to say, what's the traditional Mother's Day meat? I don't know. I don't know. My boyfriend's mom is coming over, but his sister's vegan. So there's a lot of I got to I got to cook a lot of vegan these days, which I don't which I don't hate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just requires some forth some some thought. You have to get really familiar with like coconut milk and Correct. its possibilities. And, and it, you can really do a ton of stuff with coconut milk. I'm going to try um, cauliflower steaks tonight, which is just cauliflower. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's just slices of it's cauliflower. Just slices of cauliflower. Well, but they fancied up with the word steak. You can't call that a steak. I agree completely. By the way, hill I will die on uh, <laughs> the pre-hill that I'll die on is cauliflower steaks are not steaks. This is your little drumlin? You know, a drumlin is like a tiny little hill. I learned that in fourth grade. Really? Yeah, we have them in Wisconsin. In what language? It's drumlin? a. It's just like a. It's a geological. Or geographical feature. It sounds Irish. It's cute. Drumlin. Drumlin. Anyway, <laughs> second up, we have actor and comedian Tian Tran. Hello and welcome. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I just wanted to build. I, I like wanted it. to build off of what you were doing. You yes-ended I tried, my kisses. Could you tell I was doing little guns? Absolutely. 
What are your Mother's Day plans? Um, we actually celebrated Mother's Day last week because all my sisters and we're all together for for the first time. Oh, in like, I saw on Instagram. Yeah, we were Cute. all. My family is all over the place. They live on the East Coast, West Coast. My sister lives in Ireland, so. We were all together and oh. we celebrated Mother's Day. That's oh, so cute. That's yeah. nice. We got my mother a bracelet with the names of all of the grandchildren. How many grandchildren are there? There are five of them. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was one moment where my sister was like, should we put our names? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, our mom does not want our names on her wrist. <laughs> That's cute. I mean, some moms would, but mm. you know your mom better than I do. No, when we gave it to her and we were like, Did we, we also thought about giving you our names. She goes, no. <laughs> Why would you do that? Oh, man. Well, third and not least, a very special guest, the host and producer of The Dream and somebody I've known for years and years prior to Hysteria, Jane Marie. Okay, now I feel like I have to do one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That, that's that a good one? That was really, really that. impressive. Um, I, I, know I, told, I know I told you this off mic, Jane, but... Um, the dream was so good. Thank you. If yes, our it was. listeners haven't listened to it. It's a it's a multi episode uh, kind of docu style podcast about multi level marketing, and it is so good. Mm-hmm. And we have bonus episodes coming out in July. <gasps> yes, four four extra episodes about MLMs, I and then wait. this fall. Um, the season, the second season comes out. But there's it's a, a different, second season? Oh, yeah. There's oh going to be like 100 seasons, hopefully. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I can't different wait. topic. Well, you have to come back like right before it comes out. No so problem. So that you can like tease that yeah. What are you doing for Mother's Day? Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> My kid's only five. Uh-huh. So oh, she's been talking about it for about a week and a half, but it's just she and I at home. So I don't really... We'll see. I don't know what she has planned. She knows how to make like two things. <laughs> she knows eat. how to make things. That's she impressive. can make deviled eggs. Whoa. Um, oh, yeah. food. Oh, yeah. I thought it, I was like, cra- I thought crafts. And I was oh, no, like, <laughs> that's like a million. Crafts, okay. But food wise, yeah. She could maybe she'll make me some deviled eggs. <gasps> oh, I wow. I have no idea what, we, what what's going on. That's we'll cute. probably just hang out oh. like we always do on Sundays that's- and wear whatever we want. Oh, That's what the weekend's for. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> Does she have like a chest of like special clothes mm-hmm. that she pulls out? What's her favorite article of special clothes? She likes to copy things. So whatever we're watching, like if we're watching a movie or something, then she goes in and like, I'm going to put that outfit together. So there's not like a costume, you know, a Disney thing. The other day she was trying to dress like Amber from Hairspray. And so <laughs> oh, she, yeah. But it was like a specific scene. And I had to pause it. And then she's like running in and out of the room for a half an hour, like getting her necklace exactly right. It's very savvy. Yeah. She, so she likes like. Uh, oh, know, man. Doing. She is going to have the best wardrobe when she's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. As soon as she's like able to spend her own money and like pick out her own things she's gonna yeah. be like a fashion place <laughs> she's, yeah like she's already got style. all of my old stuff so oh, I, really? yeah i save every like before i had her i would take things to crossroads or whatever to sell mm-hmm. and now i have like a giant bin of well maybe she'll like this that's weird piece you that i what? shouldn't wear after age 29 <laughs> i don't i don't <laughs> have kids but i there's a couple things that i have like a like a prom dress for instance yeah. and um i don't know like graduation cat like gown and, and cat that i i guess in some weird recess of my brain i'm sort of <laughs> potentially saving yeah i don't like, know i have like bright yellow palazzo pants <laughs> 
that like I'll never put on again, but maybe she'll maybe, maybe want she'll them want and, yeah, when she's like 15. I think everybody should just go after whatever they mm-hmm. want. But, but that's combat some, boots and floral dresses just like always. really freaked me out putting it on, honestly. Oh, no, I think they're a forever thing. Yeah. I can yeah. totally wear those forever. Um, well, let's talk about, I guess we're already kind of talking about moms, but I wanted to talk a little bit um, about just moms more as a concept before we zoom in on our own mothers for a very special Hills Will Die on edition <laughs> this week. So one thing that I was thinking as I was like kind of prepping the show was the way that moms are depicted, like the way that we grow up reading about moms, watching movies with moms characters in them, etc. And I was thinking about how like all the moms in Disney movies are dead. Yeah. And Jane Marie, you had a strong reaction to that. And I just would wonder, I, I'm wondering what you're thinking about it. I've researched this. Okay. Because it's like, it's, it's been something that's bothered me as well. Like, why don't why don't they have moms? Or if they do have a mother, it's an evil stepmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a few theories out there. My favorite um, is that you have to kill. Okay. So <laughs> first of all, <laughs> the main character in any like children's fantasy or fairy tale or whatever Disney movie is a child usually or someone at least a teenager age or younger. Um, and in order for them to grow and develop and get into tr- to sticky situations and have, you know, to heighten the drama, there can't be a mother character because none of that would be allowed. Mm-hmm. If the mom was there, they would keep them safe. That's what a mom mm-hmm. is supposed to do. So mm-hmm. you have to kill the mom right away for the character to develop enough over the course of an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I like that theory. That's like interesting. get rid of her and then the kid can like go, you know, almost fall off of a cliff or whatever the things are or like t- take a magic carpet That's- ride or you know, kiss some inappropriate man or, you know, all of the things <laughs> that they do in fairy tales. Um, that, that, that hits me so, that's so true because I, I, like the thing that my parents taught priority for me was was my safety, was protection. In fact, my parents were definitely overprotective. Mm-hmm. I would, would never have been a kid to have like fancy adventures in any sort of movie because my parents were so concerned with my safety. So right. I think I think that theory totally holds. It also is like a diss on dads too because yeah. the dads yeah. are just like, um, I'm busy uh, getting a girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> or they're also just like off fighting something. Yeah. I just couldn't believe that after reading that article that you sent us, how many of those movies... Kill those moms off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kill them off. Like the list is outrageous. Yeah. Here are uh, some dead moms. Chicken Little, Aladdin, The Fox and the Hound, Pocahontas, Beauty and the Beast, The Emperor's New Groove, The Great Mouse Detective, Ratatouille, Barnyard. I have never heard of that movie. Despicable <laughs> Me, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Bambi, Snow White. Bam- Dumbo. Yeah. Oh, no, Dumbo doesn't. But Dumbo's mom Sleeping gets... Beauty. Sleeping in prison, away. right? Yeah. yeah, she gets. To, yeah, she goes yeah. to prison. <laughs> she goes to prison. <laughs> circus. That made Cinderella. me cry like so much when I was pregnant. <laughs> oh, the, the Dumbo. Dumbo. I saw like a picture of Dumbo at Disney World when I was pregnant, and I was just sobbing. Dude, I like, saw the, the billboards <laughs> for the latest Dumbo remake, and I was like, "This is uh, this is triggering me. This is too yeah. aggressive." Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't follow. This is how uh, emotional <laughs> elephant mothers are for me as a result of Dumbo. I can't follow certain hashtags on Instagram because elephant pictures come up, and it's like tourists. <gasps> riding elephants and I'm uh, like uh, uh, no, no no I can't they're sentient beings they yeah. need to be let to be uh, free and roam they have strong family bonds yes. anyway I get I get very emotional about it yeah I, I think that's a really interesting theory uh, that the mom the mom's absence allows the kid to act out enough to have an adventure uh, but I also think what was interesting in the Atlantic article that we um, all read was that it also gave the man an opportunity to demonstrate what a good guy he is mm-hmm. so like 
like the the dead mom isn't necessarily about how good a person the mom was. It's about how good how good a person the dad is. Like I was thinking about Despicable Me recently. I don't have children, but I do have two little nephews who are in straight in the middle of the Despicable Me mm-hmm. demographic. Mm-hmm. And I recently went to Universal Studios with my sister and her husband when they were in town, and we went on the Despicable Me ride. And there was a long line. And as we were waiting in line, I asked to have it explained to me, and it, I was like. What is it? There are so many plot holes or like loops that they have to jump through to make this guy into a good guy. <laughs> like all of these girls, there are three dead moms involved in this. Story. Whoa! Because there's three girls that the guy like wow. takes in. And like yeah, I've never it seen took, it. It yeah. took three dead ladies to make this guy seem like a good guy. I liked her theory that like the the past the dead mother makes the mourning father not or something you like empathize and sympathize with but also makes him like a hot catch yeah yeah <laughs> well we don't have to worry about her coming back yeah. single mom's not single, so hot yeah. single dad Sing- so. widowed single dad oh, yeah. super hot oh. daddy yeah. I think that there's uh, something really kind of ridiculous about the way that single parenthood is depicted in culture because I'm just looking at some stats here 67% of US households with kids are headed by married couples 25% by single mothers and only 8% by single fathers. Mm. So mm-hmm. out of all of the households that have children in them, all, all but 8% have a mother present. Yes. And it feels disproportionate that so much of pop culture is like, and the dad has always been right, in charge. It's, right. it, it seems very silly. Um, Jane Marie, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Yeah. Um, as a single mother, do you find it difficult to uh, find... I guess pop like movies, books that give your daughter an idea that show your daughter somebody like you living a life like you and your daughter live together. You know, I think I take care of that by living my life in front of her. Like I think I'm setting up, I don't know, whatever example. I mean, I'm just being myself in front of her. But it is really, really impossible to find any any pop culture TV movies to consume that isn't just totally stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I'm so, so I'm, I, I think that's an area where I wish I was more relaxed. I'm pretty chill, I think, in a lot of my parenting, but with the TV, if she, like, she's not allowed to watch Barbie, she's not allowed to watch, mm. cause I've seen this stuff. I've watched like an episode or two here or there. Wait, Barbie's a TV show? Yeah. There's really? like, yeah, you can like stream all this shit on uh, <laughs> you know Amazon or whatever. Um, How but there's dreadful. a lot of shows that are like really cat, like, um, you know, the, the My Little Ponies are super catty. They're just really bitchy to each other. Mm. Um, Barbie is Barbie, yeah. which I collect Barbies, but, you know, that's not not yet. I don't want her to be exposed to that yet. And they're just like, they're just not, I don't know, they're just like so, so much trash in the world. So yeah. it is hard. But luckily, she has really good taste. Mm-hmm. And um, the movie that, she, like I said, she's into right now is Hairspray. That's and that mother-daughter yeah. relationship yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And so I'm really happy that she's found that one. Have you found that in raising her, you're kind of echoing lessons that your parents taught you? Or are there things that you learned that you definitely changed from your parents? There's a lot that I've changed, <laughs> um, I would say. I mean, my parents were very, very young when they had me. They were, like, just barely out of their teens. And um, I think with my daughter, I'm I'm a little more relaxed than my parents were. I, my, they were pretty taskmastery when I was really little. And I just try to, like, let her live a little <laughs> more mm-hmm. um, with the knowledge that she's, like, actually a really good person. And so I'm not super worried about how she, you know, what she's doing every second. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that, 
you know, I exposed her to a lot more of the world than my parents did. I think I grew up like in a time where, you know, you just didn't talk about sex or, you know, like those kinds mm-hmm, of things were, mm-hmm. or it, it, Hairspray being a movie by, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. that has all these themes that are maybe a little more adult. Um, I know that she's not going to pick up on a lot of that stuff. And if she does, it's a, they're good lessons. So mm-hmm. um, I think I'm like a little more open than my parents were about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Grace and Tian, um, for both of you, if you both, of, neither of you have kids, but if you had that kids. That we know of. <laughs> oh, up top. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those dad jokes I like to throw in during the Mother's Day themed episode. <laughs> Who knows how many kids I have Who out knows? there. <laughs> um, but are there lessons that your parents taught you that are there ways that your parents raised you that you're like definitely doing that? definitely not doing that. You know, one one thing I was thinking of that my my parents were always fiercely supportive of me and very supportive of, uh, and, and not necessarily in like a snowflakey kind of way, like you're brilliant and perfect. N- not not quite that. But they definitely, I think, gave me a little bit of like a, a kind of competitive edge. And I wish that my parents had taught me, hey, if there's somebody in your circle that you think is really awesome and maybe doing better than you or somebody who you admire, you should try to befriend them rather than forming a competitive internal mm-hmm dialogue with them, um, which is something I've only learned as an adult, that it's actually much better to surround yourself. Isn't that with, freeing? Yeah. When you're really like, is. oh, shoot, I should befriend the people yes. I want to be like yes. instead of hating. Yes. Yeah. And I think part of that was because I grew up with, I was the only girl. I grew up with three older brothers and they were all competitive with themselves. But within my family circuit, I was really the only girl. So it was always something a little bit special about me. Uh, and I, that's something that I've had to break away from. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Not that I think of myself as special guys. Trust me. I do, <laughs> do not. I mean, Tiana, was there anything that your mother taught you that you are really glad that she taught you? Yeah, I think my my parents, I grew up in a predominantly white suburb. So I would, I got bullied a little bit for being like an Asian kid, for being, for being the Asian kid. <laughs> and one of the things my parents probably instilled in me the most was like, don't listen to them. Like, just be yourself, be proud of who you are, be proud of your family and be proud of your background Mm -hmm. and where you came from and where we came from. And that is something that at first I was like very reluctant to be like, no, I want to be like all the other kids. Like, I don't want to bring Vietnamese food to lunch and be made fun of. And now I really am like, like very much trying to go back to like embracing the culture, embracing my heritage. And I want, if I if I don't think I'm going to have kids, but to my nieces and nephews, I try. I would love to continue to try and like pass that to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really great thing to. It's a, it's something that's probably hard as a kid to internalize. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to like be proud of the thing that makes you feels like the reason you get picked on. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, what, how am I supposed to be proud of this thing? But it's cool that as an adult, you've been able to kind of move on. Yeah. Um, Jane Marie, I wanted to go back to something that you said about like the way you were raised and things being kind of sheltered. I think you and I kind of grew up in similar places like yeah. Midwest small town yep. where it was possible to shelter kids from information. And like, it was possible to just grow up and not have any knowledge of who Millie Vanilli was. You know, it was possible. Not to, for me. I don't think my parents Millie were so Vanilli. young. Yeah. My dad took me to my first rap show when I was like six. Oh, okay. So cool. my parents really were like cool. early adopters. Of who stuff. was it? 
Um, it was the Fresh Fest. It was like a group of people. It was oh. uh, the Fat Boys and Houdini <laughs> and Food. That was so cool. Um, but my extended family, for sure, and like all of our neighbors and everything, it was very small town, you know, really small town. I will say my parents, one thing I really appreciate that they did is they let me own my body mm-hmm. from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time in my teens where it got a little sketchy, but like as far as what I could do with my hair and how I could touch myself or whatever, all of that was like fine. And they were, you know, so I, I do encourage that with my daughter is like, this is your domain, you know? Right. I don't want to get in there. and mm-hmm. Right. That's really interesting. One of the things I was thinking about prepping for the show yeah. is like, you know, the knowledge and the awareness that your mother did so much for you. Like mm-hmm. as a kid, you're like, I depend on this person. This person feeds me. This person takes me places. This person loves me. This person reads to me. This person supports me. But as an adult, I think... I think I was in my 20s as I slowly started grasping the physical aspects of being a mother. Like, oh, she literally grew me inside of her body. Mm-hmm. And, so I, like, and I like, <laughs> it's it really so is. fucked up. It's I can't so believe fu- that's still how we she, make I, every person on the I planet. Can't it's just so let, bizarre. I, I can't believe she let me do that. Yeah. That's crazy. And then yeah. you hung off of her. I know. And then I hung off of her breast, yeah. a very sensitive part of her body, yeah. for like almost a year. And then you hung off of her shoulder and then you hung off of her leg and yeah it's like having a parasite I mean there's a, <laughs> I mean there's a huge physical toll in pregnancy and Jane Marie you wrote an essay for Jezebel mm-hmm. years ago about the toll that it takes on women and I was wondering if you would talk about that a little bit oh you, might, uh, you mean my vagina yeah you're <laughs> I, this is the juicy stuff I want to hear about, by the way. This is the, yeah, this will be part of the hill I'll die on. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I had a really difficult childbirth, and, and it kind of wrecked some stuff. Like, I had a lot of tearing and some muscle atrophy stuff going on. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, she was trying to come out of my butt. Essentially, what is there a term for that? Mm, wrong, wrong, wrong way. <laughs> bad, bad I think that baby. is. The, I think that's the medical term. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Jane Marie. Your baby is wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> wrong direction. Um, yeah, and we were just like jiggling her, trying to get her to turn around and go in the right direction. And it took a really long time. And eventually, she did. But it was it was just kind of a you know it was a long. I want to say it was a disaster, but basically all these things that could go wrong, shit in there and just whatever. It was just uh, like, yeah, it was a nightmare. Don't get pregnant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had to get, I had to get reparative surgery later on, which was great. Um, I'm really grateful that I'm not like peeing my pants every time I cough um, at this point. But, you know, I told my dad about my bad birth, like right after it happened, I was like, oh, it was really awful. And he's like, yeah, well, you can't get out of it without giving up something. And I was like, huh? What are you talking about? You can't get out of it. (laughs) And since then, I've just been like, why can't we make pods? Like, why aren't there pods? Like, it's gross to think about, like, look around this room. Each one of you was made inside someone else's body. Yeah. It's like in water, in their belly for a long time, almost a year. That's gross. <laughs> That's so gross. It's unfair and gross. I mean, <laughs> honestly, you're sounding very Sylvia Plathy right now. I think there's a scene at the beginning of the Bell Jar yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. where she like sees her pregnant neighbor walking by and she's like, oh, uh-uh. <laughs> I honestly don't think pregnancy is like on its face gross. It's just so 
crazy to me. It's like crazy. it is yeah, crazy agree. that it can happen. I like I think pregnant women are beautiful. I think that I'm, you know, my sister and my sister-in-law, when they were both pregnant, they were beautiful and their babies are beautiful. And like, I am pro people choosing to have children, but pregnancy as a concept, when I think about it, it's sort of like the first time it occurred to me that the sun is going to run out of fuel where it's like, what? Yeah. There's just nothing else like it. There was nothing else comparable to to growing something inside your like I guess a tumor I a guess worm, they, it's either a, a child worm, a I guess, worm. A, I guess but even a worm is like not not but a, you, you can't like you, know? you can't like take out the worm and dress it up and take yeah, it to the, the worm, park look that takes a I long time to get to that point that, I mean this this worm when it came out of me was like not a lot of fun for a very long time <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be fun immediately but um no but it's weird because like she <laughs> She used to like get the hiccups inside me. Oh, Whoa. what is that time? I know you're saying, oh, like, it's cute, <laughs> but when you're trying to sleep and someone's inside your body uh, with the hiccups, hiccups. Yeah. at what point were you like, this is a human being inside of me? Initially, Immediately. Just, like, a mo- I mean, about, okay. as soon as I felt her kick for so, the first time, it wasn't I was just this, like, like, ew. Uh, uh. <laughs> like, this is so weird. I mean, I was, it was precious, but it was also just weird. And so I've got those. Um, I got those headphones where you can like listen to the heartbeat thing. I bought them from China for like nine dollars, um, and my doctors were really mad because they were like, "You can't do that because you'd be self-diagnosing and whatever." Like, don't listen to her heartbeat. But I was like, "No, I need to like connect with her a little yeah. bit more because mm. this is so creepy," and I want to love her. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be creeped out by her this entire time. But it's creepy, or like when they hook their toes around your ribs. Mm. Ew! It's a, what? Yeah, that is a get, thing. Yeah, they can get like way Ooh. up in there. Oh it's man, a, it's a person inside your body. I don't know if we yeah. made that clear yet. My There's sister, a human. <laughs> my sisters. I saw her, she was like two weeks late giving birth, and I oh and God. I saw her. Oh, I know, sister. And I saw her like I I had scheduled a trip home so, with the expectation that the baby would be born and I could visit them and stuff. But she was still like very pregnant, oh and gosh. she showed me her belly. And he was like, he loved doing somersaults. Like he was just constantly <laughs> somersaulting in her body, and you could see him moving underneath her like stomach. <gasps> and you know what's what's interesting about like pregnancy and childbirth besides everything. Like literally everything <laughs> yeah. is interesting yeah. about it. Um is I think the fact that you know, I hate to be like we as a country, but we as a country are pretty like awful to pregnant women. Yes. We're pretty yeah. awful to yeah. new mothers and we're pretty awful to people experiencing postpartum mm-hmm. yeah. and complete, we, we display a complete lack of understanding and empathy. And at the same time, a lot of public policy that aims to interfere with sex education prevents people from understanding just how hard being a mother is, being a pregnant person is. And I almost think that like sex education that was comprehensive enough so that men and mm-hmm. women, so everybody understands exactly what it is. Maybe we'd be a little bit more empathetic in our policy making instead of. I feel like there's a lot of men who are in charge who are kind of grossed out by it, though. Yeah, and they're allowed to be grossed out by it. Men can continue to be as ignorant about the process and as grossed out about the process as they want. I think they should be shamed for it. They should absolutely be yeah, shamed for yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah. if a man cannot label a female reproductive chart uh-huh. with 80% accuracy. You shouldn't be fucking. You shouldn't be fucking. I feel like we focused a lot on that, though, in school, like the biology, like the here's where everything is yeah. and here's when you're going to get your period and this is how your penis gets hard or whatever. And then that was it, you know, like, and and don't get pregnant. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. that yeah. was the end of the discussion. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about, like, what 
your body really goes well, through. Well, you know what? I grew up going to Catholic school, as I, I think I mentioned, and we skipped the part about how you got pregnant and just had went straight into a class called Christian parenting, no. which is what happens when the, you have the child and how you raise that child with good morals or whatever, which still doesn't after address... Been, after you've been, like, magically impregnated away at, exactly. like, some other school for nine months. After you've right. been cloistered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've been cloistered for we nine months. one of those schools in my town. And really? I, oh, my God. I made best friends with every girl that came into town and lived there because they had um they had open pass, like open campus pass all the time. They could leave campus whenever they wanted because uh-huh. they were pregnant and uh-huh. they had to go to doctor's appointments and stuff. So as soon as one would show up from like one of the big towns nearby, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> Wait, what are you doing many, for lunch? How many pregnant teens <laughs> you know? are you looking at? There were like 10 or 12 in this house. Wow. From like the nearby bigger cities. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, like a secret, like That's... come and have your baby in secret. And then we adopted out and then no one has to know that you were ever pregnant. You just went to your grandma's for a year or you did study abroad broad or whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. That I is, know. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> that's, It's crazy to, to treat pregnancy as something that anybody can forget. Yeah. But it's been there's been so much effort put toward forgetting. Well, uh, does that come? I'm actually thinking now that that like the way that my mom always uh, talked to me about teen pregnancy was like, well, don't ever get pregnant, which is not a problem because it's not like I was having sex. Um, don't <laughs> don't. But if you do have the baby and we'll just make sure that that we that somebody adopts the baby. If you get pregnant, just have the baby. Mm-hmm. That was so that was like kind of kind of a top down mm-hmm. uh, messaging that I received was whatever happens like, well, you're not going to have an abortion. So just ha- have the baby. And w- I'm sure that it had that happened to me. My parents parents probably would have sent me to one of those schools. I think my, wow. yeah, my parents, I just, I, I, my parents gave us the exact same. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really even talk about the baby because there wasn't going to be a baby. Like you oh. are not getting pregnant. Oh, like, there's okay. just no, that's the end of right. the discussion. Interesting. There's yeah, no we baby. Never, we never talked, my, my parents never <clears throat> gave me like a real sex talk or talked about motherhood or babies. My mom only ever said, <laughs> While watching TV, just like very quietly looked at me and was like, I only knew your father and then just continued watching <laughs> oh. TV. <laughs> <laughs> I only knew And I was like, like new. Okay. By the way, that okay. needs to be the name of your memoir. I only knew, <laughs> I only knew your father. <laughs> My parents were very sex positive, but they just didn't like the babies. Like, you're just not getting pregnant. And then it kind of backfired on them because I waited really forever to have my baby and then they're like I wish you would have done this a long time ago <laughs> well she is really really cute thank you I was going to show you the picture of what it looked like in the the moment I went into labor this is what she was doing oh my oh gosh. my gosh you see? <gasps> she's like leaning <gasps> over who took that photo um her dad it, oh, like wow. her, my belly is wow. like off to one side I don't know. Oh it my just God. Yep. wow. She's like, "Where's that butt?" I think <laughs> my, that butthole. I think about that, seeing that and just like thinking about <laughs> our mothers having us and being pregnant. My my mom gave my mom gave birth her first my oldest sister in a refugee camp. Whoa! And she casually talks about it in just like. She'll just be like, yeah, they started like giving me a C-section and then what? And then walked refugee camp, a C-section, yes, and then walked away (gasps) for a little bit and then came back. And she says it so casually. And then after that experience, continued to have Have babies, three more children. No, spread out over. We're so spread out. I have two older sisters that are probably took her a while to recover every time. (laughs) I have two older sisters that are seven and eight years older than me, and a younger sister that is nine years younger than me. So like. Yeah, that think now that we're talking about, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my mother 
had that experience, and then con- was like, sure, let's do I it. I can't believe anyone continues to do it after no, one, even in a great, yeah. like, if they had a yeah. great experience. A great, like, I, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Yeah. Since you've had one and had the experience of it, are you excited to have more? Would you? No, no, you no, like no, 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 no. It was like immediate. Like, as soon yeah. as I realized I was pregnant, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what did I do? Like, this is the worst. Like, the nausea is so gross. Like, everything oh, about it. Oh, God. Yeah, I looked really pretty. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> when I was pregnant, That's my hair it. was so shiny. It's so oh, it's really whatever. interesting to hear people's <laughs> um, people's different experiences with being pregnant because I have friends who like absolutely love being pregnant, and they should keep doing that. Well, and they the should thing. be surrogates. And I mean, I, oh, yeah. I'm gl- glad that those people exist in yeah. the world. It's Did not they me. really I thought it would enjoy be me. it, or yeah. are they just saying that? I have a friend who's just. I mean, between my group of college girlfriends, I actually got together with a couple of them this weekend. One of them was in town for business, and one of them lives kind of near LAX, and we all like had brunch, and it was great. One of them has a baby who's like so cute. Mm-hmm. We counted how many kids my group of friends has from college, and it's like fifteen. Oh my god! Well, yeah, I'm like the lone like Mary Tyler Moore holdout, <laughs> like not having. I mean, there's three of us that don't have kids, but the others all. I think two have one. Three of them have one kid, and the others all have m- multiple children. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they. It's like it's interesting because you know we had this big email thread that's been going on since like the year 2003, and. Um, Sometimes on that email thread, people will talk about their various experiences with pregnancy and childbirth. And it's Mm -hmm. really fascinating to see the range of reactions to the same biological process. Like some women are like you, Jane, where they're like, I, this is so weird. I had a negative experience. It was a struggle. And some people are like, it was great. It was beautiful. And most people kind of fall a little Mm -hmm. bit in between. And some of them feel differently about different pregnancies. Right. Well, that's the thing that people try to come at you with is like, well, the next one they say is a lot easier. And I'm like, there is no next one. (laughs) Stop (laughs) talking about the next one. You know, when you're talking about your friends from home, I have four friends who are grandmothers. What? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm not, I'm a little See, older than you. Mine are from you. college, though. So they're, yeah, they're Catholic like high college. school yeah. friends yeah. that now have babies who have had babies. Wow. Like my goddaughter had a baby recently. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a different it's a different <laughs> lifestyle in different parts of the yeah. country, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, Tian, I wanted to talk to you really quick. We were talking about um, our parents and their role, our mothers and their role in like talking about sex and sexuality with us. And as a person who is out and gay, um, how did your mother handle when you came out? And like, how, how did you, like, how did your relationship with her change, if at all? Ooh, now it's, now at this point, I've, I came out probably seven years ago. Now where it's like better than ever. And every time I come home, I feel like the, the, the gay teen who finally gets to be out. Because I'm like at home and I feel like, my, you know how you go home and your parents make you feel like, like you're a kid, a, a kid again? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, oh, I'm the gay kid at home. I get to live <laughs> this life in high school I never got to realize. Um, but that took a little time. I remember when I came out to my mom, uh, it was my mom and my dad. It was at dinner that morning, my sister, who was not old enough to drink yet, had gotten caught with a bottle of vodka in her room. <gasps> you were like, this is my opening. And I would, well, yeah. I was actually pissed at first because I was like, we can't both disappoint our parents today. <laughs> this is so messed up. You stole my moment. But I was leaving. It was Thanksgiving. And I think that's another, I think that's a thing that's common within the queer community is people coming out over holidays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's like the only time you together. come. It's when you're together and you're like, here, I'm going to do it. Um, and I just, my first question, my mom's first response when I told her I was gay, which I didn't say in Vietnamese, I actually said everything in Vietnamese prefaced it and then said I'm gay in English because 
the Vietnamese word for gay feels it still feels like a slur. Mm-hmm. So I switched back and forth. And my mom's first response was, so you're like Ellen DeGeneres. Oh. <laughs> Which I was like, thank you, Ellen, for, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> for your positive. But then she started asking, like, there's, I feel like there's a lot of questions that parents are immediately like, is that my fault? What did we do? To oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, what did we do wrong? Was it because we let you play soccer? Like, just Was it because the- I've only ever known your father? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah mom, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but... Like they, she had all the questions, but she was very calm. She like, my mother is a stoic woman and is, has a very dry sense of humor. And she was just very serious and just was like, didn't have any immediate reaction, wasn't upset. My dad actually got up and walked away from the table. Mm -hmm. And my mom just asked me a line of questions and I tried to answer them as like, she'd be like, how do you know you're gay? And I'm like, how do you know you're straight? She's like, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she was like, you're, I think you're too pretty to be a lesbian. I'm like, straight people are ugly too. (laughs) Just like, let's have, let's have it out, mom. Um, But now she is like 100 completely like supportive and like we'll have moments where when people are being homophobic she'll just be like I can't believe it in this day and age how can you still be like that and I'm like (laughs) they love my partner it's 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 gotten to a really wonderful place now that's great yeah that's excellent mothering um And I'm very glad you shared that story. And also, I, I can't it. believe your mom had a C-section in a refugee camp. I know. Yeah. Holy living. She no wonder like, she's so calm. I mean, I, I think I, after, <laughs> after going through something like that, nothing could be as, yeah, as she's a very, traumatic. That's amazing. She's like 4'10". Oh, my she's like God. A t- tiny By the way, as a woman. fellow petite woman, that is something that terrifies me about pregnancy. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Could I even handle it? Do I have the hip she's, width? I don't know. I have tiny ass feet. I don't have honkers like Aaron Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it man. is taking I think it is now taking a toll the four pregnancies yeah. is taking a toll on her body yeah. that I mean yeah. it'll, it'll or has and yeah, yeah, yeah. is now it's harsh yeah. Yeah. yeah it'll happen I mean I think one thing I wanted to, to talk about is I think especially for millennial women um, the financial consideration to having a child has never been more front and center like I know people who graduated from college right before the financial collapse and so then it's like well I can't really get my career started and then it was just one thing after another after another after Uh another after another and eventually you know now people who are millennials are in their mid-30s and it's sort of like you have to make a decision soon ish Uh you know Uh like depending on your body chemistry and and how cooperative you are if you want to have a kid you kind of have to do it soon and Uh a lot of people are like um you know they have one kid and they want to have another but they can't because childcare is too expensive right Uh they um they want to have one kid but they aren't sure that they can they can't afford a house big enough for the kid and Uh it's such a it's such a can of worms and i do want to get into it more. Yeah. But before we close this conversation, I want to end on a high note. I want to say, what is your favorite thing about your mother? And just like a little thing. It doesn't have to be a, a huge thing. Like she's loving. I, I'm, I'm, I'll start because I asked ask the question. So I already have the answer prepared. <laughs> So one of my favorite things about my mother, my mother's a high school principal. She had been an English teacher before that. And before that, she was like a small town journalist. She's always kind of onward and upward, like 
enriching herself, education, like learning new things. She loves the opera. She's just like very interesting. And I hope that when I'm her, her age, I'm like her. But one of my favorite little things about her is that she uses like frontier slang <laughs> <laughs> to, to punctuate points she's trying to make. So she'll she'll say things like, well, what the Sam Hill is the president doing? <laughs> or like, or like uh, you know, well, holy buckets. And it's like, mom, where did you learn that? Like, this is not the prairie. Holy buckets. <laughs> yeah, what the Sam Hill is is definitely uh, my momism. And it's like one of my favorite things about her when she uses this like old timey, like avoiding swearing. It's like, you know that I say fuck into a microphone for a living. Right? <laughs> you don't have to like avoid swearing. It's totally fine. So that's my favorite thing. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. I'll go. My, my mom is... Um, one of my, if not my absolute best friend. We're very close. We talk multiple times a day. We text all the time. She is uh, super supportive. She's vulnerable too. So she's not unwilling to share with me when she feels sad or when she feels uh, depressed or when she feels anxious. Uh, and I love that about her. But the little thing I think that I like most about her, um, she she cares a lot about how she looks like she she's really gone all out like she oh, she's going to hate me for saying this <laughs> she's I can't say it. She's just she's done she's done some things. She just takes care of herself. Is what I'll say. She's Does she have like an array of nail polish colors? Oh yeah, she always gets her nails done. She constantly gets her hair done. She constantly is like into new fashion and bags and earrings. She's always giving me new jewelry. She's just she's she's um the definition of aging gracefully. Uh -huh. And it's something that, that I really take a cue from. In fact, my favorite mother outside of my own is Morticia Adams. <gasps> and part of it is because Morticia remains this like very graceful and sexy woman, regardless of how, how old she is. Uh, and I, and I, and I love that, that it's, it's not about age, but it's about this sort of internal dignity that becomes externalized depending on, on who the woman is. So, um, yeah, I would say that's a little thing that my mom does. Oh, that I love I love that. I yeah. love that too. I uh, can go. Okay, go ahead. Um, my favorite thing about my mom is that every Every now and then. Now that I live closer, she doesn't do it as much, but she writes me letters. Oh. I'm so bad. I never write back. I just give <laughs> <laughs> But she will write me letters and all the letters are like decorated like crazy with a ton of stickers. <gasps> and <laughs> stickers from when we were kids that she has, she saves everything. And so she'll just like, I will get letters and it'll be stickers from like when I had stickers <gasps> as like a first and second grader. Oh. And I keep, I have all of them. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Precious. That's my favorite that's thing. Great. All right, Jen Marie, go last. Um, I love everything about my mom. <laughs> I love my mom so much. Um, now, when whenever we go to visit, she lives in Michigan, so it's always, you know, it's a couple times a year that we try to go visit, and, and she'll start calling me. This is, like, so cute, and I think many people would find it annoying, and she won't mind that I say that, but about a month before the trip, she'll start calling, like, I'm going into town. So what do you guys need? I'm just going to get the house stocked for you girls. And I'm like, so this is the non-perishable call. And then next week will be like, like, uh, is there any, you know, mittens or gloves I can pick up at the tag sale? And then the next week, then we get to perishable items. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the time we get there, the whole house is like full of like Aww. whatever food we need. But it's like her project for a month. It's, really <laughs> it's so cute. cute. I love that. I love all of your moms. They all I sound great. I love all your moms. Great. Yeah, likewise. All right, we have to take a break, but when we come back, a very special Mother's Day edition of The Hills Will Die On. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. 
Takeover Taco Night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. back jane marie grace and tian are still with me and this is a part of the show where we take adamant stances on issues that don't really matter the hills will die on hmm. this week we have a very special edition of the hills will die on rather than us personally giving hills that will die on we had our moms call in and leave 30 second voice memos and we are going to respond to the mothers of some of your favorite hysteria crew the women that are here right now and then we also have a couple who are not here so let's get started I'm Peggy, and I'm a listener from Wisconsin, and I'm Aaron's mom. The hill that I would die on is, fellas, take off your hat when you enter a building, because unless you're into high fashion and the hat really makes the outfit, there's no reason to be wearing it. Once you enter a building, there's no snow, rain, wind, or sun. The hat has no purpose. Take it off. I've seen hats covered in grease, mud, and sweat. Stay atop men folks' heads at the dinner table. These are facts, perhaps not the men, are likely disease-ridden breeding grounds for insects. Disgusting. <laughs> Take it off. I've seen men donning such specimens while chairing public meetings. They take the hat off to say the Pledge of Allegiance and then put it back on. Stunning, really. Stunning. The reasons for removing that gross baseball cap from your head involve manners, protocol, and civility. And mostly, you should take it off because your mother said so. That's the hill I'll die on. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> okay. Oh, what the same wow. hill. What the same <laughs> hill. Yeah. I love it. I agree with her, by I the agree. way. I agree with her. <laughs> I disagree with her. There's a, there's a man wearing a hat in the room right now who is Fair. just, he is beat red with shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I know, I can picture exactly the kind of hat she's talking about. It's usually like a snowmobile branded hat. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a Michigan thing. It, or Wisconsin. Or yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, that. Yeah. It's yeah. Great, if your state touches a Great Lake, you have an <laughs> epidemic of these hats. That are and they normal. are gross. And you can see the salt, yeah. the sweat salt line on Ew. the front. Yeah, yeah, you know, know, that's not good. But if it's a clean hat and it's sharp looking. Yeah, yeah, a cool hat. I'm down with a cool hat because sometimes I wear what I think is a cool hat indoors. My partner wears a hat 
one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Sometimes, like right before bed, he'll take it off. Wow, <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next mom. Mom, does anyone does anyone in our family slam doors? Huh? What do you think? You die. <laughs> 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 I was like, Mom, do whatever. Like, my mom is fluent in English and Vietnamese, but I think when you do hills, you're most passionate in your first language. Of course. <laughs> and so that's her. She was just kind of being like, the thing that bothers me the most is when people just slam doors like a rum. Rum is like an onomatopoeia in Vietnamese that just is like the sound of a door slamming. Yeah. 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 Yes. And she just is like, why can't you just walk out of a door and close it gently? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and of course, my dad is... The biggest offender of door slamming. <laughs> you know what? I agree with that hill completely. Car door slamming, too. Yeah. Also. I yeah. think my mom's worst nightmare is being like in a hotel with a bunch of people that oh, are just God. slamming that the door. That is also my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. It sounds very spooky. It door does. Slamming. Yeah. Okay. I'll die on that hill with your mom, too. Yeah. 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 Yes. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to the next mom. Hello. Hello. This is Mary Tara. Gracious <laughs> mom. And the hill that I'll die on is, oh, my goodness, that not everyone should have children. <laughs> it's like, I'll go, I'll, I'll say this, okay? I like more the theory of school's out, that the playground's opened. So it's like, why would you want to have a baby that's so much trouble? You know, they cry all the time. And have you ever tried to change a diaper? <laughs> anyway, to all of you breastfeeding mommies out there, happy Mother's Day. Oh, my God. Grace, your mom is like, I regret having this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll die on his grace was a mistake. She's <laughs> not the first time that she has said this. Before. She truly is like, Grace, don't have children. They're not worth it. But mom, they're not worth it. Do you have siblings? I have three brothers. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> There's four of us. <laughs> uh, wow. she's, so she's an expert. Yeah, she's she's an done expert. her research. She has done her research. I'm listening I to did. your mom's advice. I could see I the twinkle in her eye as she was saying that. Like she's, I feel like she's trolling. Oh, she is a little bit. In a, in a, expert way. I think she's trolling hysteria for sure. <laughs> schools schools out but the playground is open also. Jesus, so sexual. <laughs> so sexual, mom. Oh boy. Okay, let's move on to the next mom. Hello. This is Karen, Jane Marie's mom. And the hill I would die on would be as a mother as your children are learning to toddle and walk and have minor scrapes and bumps and bruises for you to resist jumping up and rushing to their aid, if at all possible. Certainly not with anything terrible happening, but the minor bumps and bruises. Let that child learn to pick themselves up, come over and show you what has happened, and to help you decide what to do about it. And they will gain confidence and ownership of their bodies 
and be much better for it. And that's the hill I was dying on. Oh. Happy Mother's Day. I, I love that. I love very that. sensible mom yeah. hill. For yeah, that. that is. Until I heard that, <laughs> I always thought that what she was doing when I was a kid was like making me explain what happened so that they wouldn't miss any major injury or something, like a head bump or whatever. Like, here's where I got hurt. See, it's right here. And then I can start crying and freaking mm. out and clinging to her. But now I I realize that it was much more involved than that. Yeah, it's like you already took the test and your mom is like, here's the answer. Right. <laughs> That's a great one. Um, We have one text Hill will die on. This is from, uh, oh, Alyssa submitted a Hill about her mom. Okay. Mm. Alyssa wants us to include the Hill about her mom. The Hill that I will die on is that no mother is better at homemade bangs than Lydia Mastromonaco. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name Lydia Mastermonica. Wow, that is a really good international name. spy name, international yeah. bang making expert. Yeah, Lydia Mastermonica. Thank you for making Alyssa. And we have one more mom hill to die on. This one uh, is somebody that's not on the show today, but somebody who you will definitely recognize. Okay, mom, what is a hill that you would die on? Well, the hill that I would die on is that I'm sick and tired of people telling me what I can't or shouldn't or dare not do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just because I have white hair, people say, you can't travel alone. You can't eat in a restaurant by yourself. You can't, you can't lift that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who says yeah. that? People. <laughs> Strangers. <laughs> Children. Um, <laughs> Children come up to you and tell you you can't eat in a restaurant alone. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's what he told me. But mom, yes. seriously, yes. who tells you that? What? That you can't do these things. People. Voices. <laughs> in your head or in no, the world? No, real people. Real yeah. people. When I said I was going to France mm-hmm. for two months with my dog, people <laughs> said, how can you do that? I said, I'm going to do it. It's my chance to do that. I'm going to do it. And you did it. And I did it. But, uh, you know, there were people who were too timid to try anything. Mm-hmm. And that bugs me. They say, I couldn't do that. I say, yes, you could. You just didn't try. Right. Okay. Thanks, Mom. Oh. I love that. That's a a hysteria regular, Michaela Watkins, and her mom, who took her dog to France. I know. When she asked with incredulity if a child actually walked up and said, like, kids say really horrible things. I don't (laughs) doubt it at all that some small (laughs) monster was just like, what are you doing here by yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I had a a woman I know was telling a story about her daughter telling a woman in a hot tub that she was big. Oh, no way. Little little kids tell really, say really bad things to people. My my nephew once asked a man if he was pregnant. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which the man was like, no, but good question. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Very progressive. Yeah. Very progressive recognizing yeah, the fact the that different bodies people who uh, present differently yeah. publicly can be pregnant. You don't have to publicly identify yeah, right, as a woman to right. be pregnant. So trans men can be yeah. pregnant. Also, so. maybe there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger, a movie fan. <laughs> Mr. Mom, is that what a movie was called? Junior. Ju- Why Ju- do Junior? I know? Oh, that? no. <laughs> 
Why do I? You were so quick on it, too. You were. I don't know. I think I just remembered it being a poster on the wall of the movie rental store in my town. Ah, yeah. And it was like faded from the sun, but I have it just burned into my memory. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Jane Marie, Grace, Tian, thank you so much for coming today. This was so fun. Thanks to all the moms who left us hills to die on. And thanks to Alyssa Master Monaco for calling in to cover the news. And thanks to all of you for listening. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. <sighs> and it's definitely not crawling with invading insects if you use Ortho Home Defense Max. Use it indoors on non-porous surfaces to treat and prevent cockroaches, spiders, and ants for up to 12 months. So your home can stay your place of peace, your work from home office, and your family's headquarters. Kill bugs inside, keep bugs outside, and love your home. Visit ortho.com for more.